Hey, party people. This is the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, three weeks in the books in the college football world. Um, and we had upsets, just exactly as we thought. I mean, we have to stop talking about football teams that we think are going to do well. Because we talked about, hey, BYU has an open path to making some real noise in the college football world. And they got spanked by Oregon. An Oregon team that two weeks ago, we talked about being the least respectable top 25 football team that was in there. We said Oregon didn't belong to be, didn't deserve to be in the top 25 team uh, football team. And they just beat the number 12 ranked team in the nation, uh, 41 to 20. They said some rather anti-Mormonist stuff, which I don't disagree with, but they still spanked them. Um, We talked about, uh, uh, we got some games that we're covering uh, uh, that we highlighted watching this week. Mitch is going to talk about Penn State versus Auburn. Skyler is going to talk about Texas A&M versus Miami. Texas A&M coming off of that huge loss to App State. And I got uh, Michigan State versus Washington, which was a sneaky game on the uh, schedule there as to getting a good kind of health factor uh, as to where Michigan State is and where Washington is. How does how does middle Pac-12 stack against middle Big Ten? Um, and then we get to look ahead to next week as well. Uh, Skyler finally gets a reprieve from being a Nebraska football fan because uh, they get a bye week. Um, uh, Wisconsin has a matchup against Ohio State. Wisconsin hasn't won in Columbus since 2004, and they haven't won against the uh, Buckeyes since 2010. We'll see if that changes here. Um, we've got Baylor coming off of a tough loss to BYU uh, two weeks ago, but had a bye week. They get uh, Iowa State and Matt Campbell, who may be or may not be the next Nebraska head football coach. Who knows? It might also be Bill O'Brien. Um, we get Florida versus Tennessee. Florida, who, you know, week one beats Utah. Week two loses to um, Kentucky there. And now they've got to go play a Tennessee team that's beaten back-to-back ranked football teams to start the season out. Uh, we got lots of lots of interesting games. Clemson, Wake Forest we're talking about as well. Battle of, of uh, two, two, well, one very good quarterback and then DJ insert last name here um and uh, notre dame versus north carolina notre dame did everything possible to lose last week but still somehow pulled out a win um and north carolina is looking to get the uh the ship back on track there so let's start last week and let's start with our individual games mitch we'll have you kick us off with okay. uh, penn state versus auburn a rematch of last year's game taking place in jordan o'hare stadium and boy, howdy, was it a blowout for the Nittany Lions. What stood out to you watching Penn State versus Auburn? Um, what kind of stood out to me, starting with the Auburn team, is like I thought TJ Finley, I know he hasn't had the most impressive stats up to that game, but I thought he was playing really well. Um, when he just started to make mistakes is when his offensive line let him down. I think he was sacked like maybe five or six times during that game. Um, but when he was able to have a clean pocket, he was making some really nice throws and he was, uh, being able to move the offense, uh, regularly, but unfortunately between his offensive line and just the defense, uh, just kind of let them down. And it it was kind of a lot closer than the score would indicate if, uh, they could just step up. Um, and then quarterback rotations are stupid always. Um, they should have just stuck with Finley throughout the entire game. I, I don't understand uh, flip-flopping between quarterbacks. Um, and then Auburn has some really nice defensive players. I know that they lost uh, Roger McCreary, and he was kind of like getting all the headlines last year. But uh, between Derek Hall on the defensive line and Owen Papau, I think is how you say it, on the linebackers, those guys are legit and hard hitters, uh, especially Papau hitting uh, Sean Clifford in that uh, first drive, the uh, 
to make him like fumble out of bounds. That was insane. And then uh, what a running back battle that was. Nicholas Singleton, I think Brady hit it right on the head when he said it last week that he's probably the best running back uh, since Saquon Barkley there. And uh, by the end of it, could be just as uh, talented. Um, and Tinks Bigsby is another great running back. So that was just probably the highlight uh, during this blowout to watch, just two great running backs going at it. Is this uh, – so, so yeah, I mean, uh, Auburn quarterbacks were sacked six times in the game, but no one on Penn State had more than one. So it was very much a, a group effort by the Nittany Lions there. But we talked about what our opinions on Auburn was. The best thing to happen to the Auburn football program this offseason was that Bo Nix left. Um, does this change your opinion at all on, on Penn State? I mean, we know Auburn's going to do decently in the SEC. They're probably going to end up winning six to eight football games. And, you know, they're going to give Alabama most likely a run for their money. Um, but Penn State's walked into a very difficult environment, in Jordan O'Hare Stadium, and, and – outscored them 34 to six after after uh uh auburn pulled it within a point so does this kind of change your opinion on penn state at all and, and even maybe given what we saw out of michigan state which we'll talk about in a little bit uh yeah going back to how i ranked them ranked the big 10 east uh before we started the season the to me penn state's definitely number three at least um it's just tough kind of tell well ohio state's number one obviously but with michigan They've played so many schmuck teams up to this point. It's hard to get a read. Like, is Michigan uh, still that Michigan team that we saw last year? Or are they just uh, undefeated in number, was it, four right now? Uh, just because they're playing bad teams. So I can't really get a good read on them. Um, if if they did regress, then obviously Penn State, to me, would be number two just because of who they've beaten and such. Um, but for sure, number three in the East right now until we see Michigan play a real team. So, so let, let me ask Skyler a question here uh, because Skyler's had experience with football programs that have ran with dueling quarterbacks. Um, you get, you got Michigan who's dealing with that right now. We just saw how it worked out for Auburn. Skyler, what, does Michigan stand a chance with dueling quarterbacks or do you think they have to fully and finally commit to one? Is that is Michigan's dueling quarterbacks? Is that a knock to you on Michigan's uh, probability of, of running the table again in the Big Ten? Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they settle on a quarterback? Yeah, it's McCarthy. Did yeah, they? Oh, okay, start I, I apologize then. Did they settle on McCarthy? I know they were going back yeah. and forth, but I hadn't heard that they had settled um, on one. I I think Michigan's in an okay spot because I liked. Um, Despite them doing dueling quarterbacks, they did in a in a way that was a little bit different that I liked, and that was that McCar um uh McNamara started game one, McCarthy started game two, and that's how it worked. And it, again, it was there was no ifs, ands, or buts. There wasn't if somebody's bad that they're not playing this game. And even though they played schmuck opponents, we saw that they scored a lot of points that they did what, what was good, and then Harbaugh decided based off of those two games who the starter was going going to be anyone with McCarthy. Um I think I think Michigan as of right now there's not a looking at this team and how they're playing, I think that they're they are going to challenge again. I think they're going to challenge Ohio State because I don't think Ohio State is without its weaknesses. Um they're not the perfect team that we thought that they could be. They played really really well this last week, but again, they played well against Toledo. They um, it took a second half surge for them to take to get over what is now a one and two Notre Dame team. Uh, did they play week two? Uh, Michigan? Did they play like fucking Akron or some shit? No, like that? Ohio State. 
Oh, who did Ohio State? Arkansas State. Arkansas State. So yeah, like I, Ohio's like like we want to talk about with the fact that like Michigan hasn't played anybody. Okay, Ohio State technically hasn't played anybody either, and the one team that they did play that was ranked at the beginning of the season has struggled, and they struggled for a good three quarters against that team mm-hmm. um, offensively. So, After a loss to Marshall. At, yeah, and then Notre Dame lost to Marshall the next week. Yeah. Um, so that is something that needs to take into consideration. I uh, Going off that Penn State comment, I was the highest on Penn State of the three of us. I had Penn State being third in the Big Ten East, um, and I think that they can continue to um, – challenge for it i absolutely love what uh nick singleton mm-hmm. at running back is doing down there he he is uh i think he leads all uh power five teams with like the most touchdown rushes over 20 yards um and again not playing the best of teams but still like last year we saw that penn state struggled against some of those weaker teams and they're they've made steps to improve on that so, so uh, we'll we'll kind of head over now to Skyler's game that he watched. Uh, Texas A and M versus Miami. Texas A and M coming off of seventeen to fourteen loss to Appalachian State at home. Miami had won back to back games, but against Southern Miss and Bethune Cookman, respectively. Now, Skyler, I didn't get the chance to watch this game, but looking at the stat sheet, how did Miami not win this football game? I mean. 392 total yards to 254, 217 passing to 140, 175 rushing to 124. Miami did have a turnover and Texas A&M didn't, but Miami dot 10 minutes more on, on time of possession. So, so what stood out in this game that ended with a 17 to nine win for the uh, Aggies? Um, the Aggies are more aggressive um, is kind of what it came down to. And again, in the 17 to nine game, you're kind of like, okay, how is some a team more aggressive? Um, you're this like very cautious, low scoring game that we're not kind of accustomed to seeing in um uh in in college football anymore. But I look at I look at the first half, and these are how the drives ended. The first two drives ended each with the field goal. Um Texas AM then scored a touchdown. Miami missed a field goal. Texas AM punted. Miami missed another field goal. Texas AM punted. Miami punted. Texas AM had the ball at the end of the half. That's how the first half went. But on that that one touch, like that one touchdown drive was set up. Um it was a it was a it was a punt, punt, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a muffed punt that was recovered by Texas A. One mistake. It took one mistake from Miami to lose that game. Um because Miami right now under Mario Cristobal is playing a very conservative type of game. Um, where they like we, we can see because when they drove down the field, the first field goal, they went 12 yard, 12 plays, 65 yards, ended with a field goal on a missed field goal, eight plays, 44 yards, missed field goal, another missed field goal, 12 plays, 73 yards, um, 12 plays, 71 yards, field goal, 16 plays, 83 yards. Um, you when you have those long, those long drives can be so crushing. But they are only crushing if you are able to 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 cross the goal line under that. Because if you are able to take so much out of the defense um, with time of possession, running it down their throat, um, it works. It pays off if you're able to score on them. And they weren't able to score touchdowns. Uh, credit to Texas A&M's defense. They kept them from converting third downs. If you look at the third down, I think 
uh, Miami was like five for 14 on third mm-hmm. down. Exactly. Which, um, that's bad. That's horrible. And then you missed two field goals in there as well. Um, so it's a muffed punt and it's a fumble later down the, the, the series they fumbled again when they were, um, uh, late, uh, later in the second half, um, they really call it that really caused it. There weren't a lot of big explosive plays where Texas A&M would get, would get a chunk play that would allow them to keep going where they would, they would get on those touchdown drives for Texas A&M, or at least in the, in the second half, they went four plays, 76 yards down the field. Um, and you had, uh, and, and then there was a discipline issue on that one play. Max Johnson completed uh, a pass for 25 yards, and then there was an unnecessary roughness call at the end of that that tacked on another 15. So that made a 25-yard gain into a 40-yard gain. And that draw, drive ended with a touchdown for Texas A&M. So I still think Miami is in good hands. I still think that they're going in a, in a, in a good direction. Um, but those are the things that need to to be fixed. You need to stay disciplined. You need to be able, if you're going to be playing, calling such a conservative game on the offensive side of the ball, you need to make sure that you convert and you don't make mistakes, penalties and not ending time and, and ending a drive on a field goal. It kills a team and it just gives more and more um, morale and uh, enthusiasm to a defense that, you know, for all intents and purposes, played a good game against App State. This is an App State team that uh, scored, what's 60-some points on North Carolina? Um, it's like 40-something in the fourth quarter. Yeah, like- and 40 of it in the fourth quarter. So this is an App State team that knows how to score points, and you kept them low. You kept a Miami team that scored 70 on Bethune-Cookman, scored 31 on um, uh, the team they played beforehand. You kept them under 10 points. This is a defense that, that is playing well, and if you're ending drives, you're not able to score touchdowns on these long drives. You're just giving them more and more confidence, and they're just going to be able to think that we can stop them. We've done it before. We've done it many times. We can keep doing this. Um so even though uh, uh, in every statistical category, basically Miami won the game, they didn't win in what mattered most, which was points. So after we'll kind of toss a similar question as we did with Mitch to you, Skyler. After watching that game, does your opinion on Texas A&M change at all? Do they stand a chance in the SEC? Given that, you know, we saw Alabama struggle, but this is back-to-back weeks where they put up less than 20 points. They won 31 to nothing against Sam Houston State, who's, who's a very good FCS school, but you're Texas A&M. You've had number one recruiting classes. You've, you're you with a coach in Jimbo Fisher who's won, national, who's won a national championship and gone to another. But 17 points at home against Miami, th- does, this, does this change your opinion on Texas A&M at all? Do you think they stand a chance in the SEC West? I think they do based on their defense. I think their defense is continuously playing well. Um, but their offense needs to find uh, a second gear, at least. I mean, if you think about what teams are in the West, um, you have AM, you have Arkansas, Auburn, and Bama, who are you who I would say are the four teams that can challenge for or you have Arkansas, AM, and Auburn who are either could challenge this year or have in the past challenged for the West um, uh, to, to win, to win the West and the SEC. Um, both uh, Arkansas has a much better offense right now um, than what Texas A&M is able to feel field. 
and Alabama is, I mean, is Bama. They have Bryce Young. He's, uh, uh, they were able to score a ton of points again in the cleanup game against what? Um, Kent, not Kent State. Um, who did Bama play this week? Who did Bama play this week? Who did Bama play uh, this week? Bama played, um, Bama, I'm sorry, hold on. UL Monroe. Yeah, UL Monroe. Okay, so you score a ton of points, but they, but this, this Alabama team is vulnerable. And Texas A&M can win the West if they're able to get their offense to score points at all. Um, Able to threaten, they can't do what they did against um, uh, Hap State or what they did against, um, Fuck against Miami, you can't you can't just re- rely on the other team to make mistakes. Bama doesn't make mistakes. Uh, Bryce Young is very he's still young, but he's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's a good quarterback. Um, and and we talk about dueling quarterbacks for Michigan and dueling quarterbacks for Texas A and M. I think is a better is a better question. I don't think Max Johnson has solidified um his role as a starting quarterback. I think he's going to be continuously looking over his shoulder, specifically because his, because um. The, his backup is a much more athletic quarterback than he is. Uh, Max Johnson's a good quarterback. We saw what he was able to do at LSU, but you, you, there's, they need to get into a groove. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in time for Bama because they what they play Arkansas this week, don't they? Who Alabama does? No, A and M does. A and M does. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they play Arkansas this week. If Arkansas, if if AM can walk out of Arkansas, can walk away beating Arkansas and they can do it convincingly, at least on the offensive side of the ball, um, they can win. Um, we'll see how this, uh, and I'll be interested to see how the defense holds up. If it continues to, to hold to a low score, again, yards are one thing, but if you're able to keep the score low, then you're doing your job. Um, and, and keep, uh, um, Arkansas out of the end zone, I think you can you can win that game. But it's in terms of uh, the the SEC West, I it's Bama's to lose, and it will continue to be Bama's to lose until we see a more complete team than Bama. Um, it's what we saw from LSU when LSU beat them in twenty nineteen. Um, it's what we saw from uh Georgia last year when they were able to beat them in the national championship. They were a more complete team. You need to be able to beat Bama on at all three stages, and I don't think Texas AM can do that. Uh Mitch, any before I head over to Washington, Michigan State, any thoughts on Texas AM versus Miami? Um <clears throat> yeah, it's just a couple. It's uh it's a very impressive job. Uh, just given in given our expectations going into this game, we talked about how you know, Miami was powered by Tyler Van Dyke, who's getting a lot of consideration for the draft right now, and Henry Paris Jr., who's been a great running back. And to keep them out of the end zone is a very good, uh, obviously a very good job by this defense, who I think we kind of slept on a little bit. Um, and just kind of looking at the stats, it's very impressive that they're able to get uh, eight pass breakups, and I think that kind of contributed to why they're able to win. Um, I don't think I'm as worried about Texas A&M uh, offense just because correct me if I'm wrong this is Max Johnson's first start so he's getting to know the wide receivers and you know the offense a little bit um so I think once he's able to get comfortable within the system and know his guys and stuff uh I think that's when we can see the true potential of a and 
Fair. So I'll uh, head out west where Washington hosted number 11 ranked Michigan State. And boys, this was a blowout. Um, scoreboard says 39 to 28. It wasn't that close. First off, Michigan State couldn't run the ball to save their fucking life. Peyton Thorne had a 21-yard carry. After that 21-yard carry, or outside of that 21-yard carry, the team went 28 rushes for 21 yards. I got to give massive props to uh, the Huskies' defense there. They played a fantastic game um, against a very highly touted running back in Jalen Berger and against a, a Michigan State offensive line that, that you know, we didn't think was out of this world, but that we thought was going to be a lot better. Um, Michigan talk or uh, Mitch talked about Michigan state's defensive line and how they were going to pressure Michael Penix and they didn't get a sack on the entire game. Michael Penix though. Holy shit. Did that guy play fantastic in that game? I, I mean, I don't think you can get much of a better performance out of, out of a dude, 20 of 40, 397 yards and four touchdowns on the day. Peyton Thorne didn't play bad necessarily, but Michael Penix had the benefit of a rushing attack. Davis and uh, Tula Papa combined for 29 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. Not idea, not fantastic numbers, but enough to keep the running game honest there and to keep the defense honest. Um, both teams were about the same on third down. Michigan State was better on fourth down because at the end of the game, they had to go for it. But Washington scored. Here, here's how the drives worked for Washington touchdown then they went on downs where they went fourth and one fourth and goal at the michigan state one and unfortunately couldn't convert it but turned that around because the very next play the defense got a safety so they still got points out of it got the ball right after took the ball moved down the field and scored a touchdown michigan state then punted washington scored another touchdown it's 22 to nothing at that point michigan state gets on the board with a 15 play 75 yard seven minute drive which normally is a back-breaking football drive. It's the exact drive Skyler was talking about, about how Miami wants to play conservative, but you got to get points on the board. In almost any game, a 15-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that ends with a two-point conversion is absolutely fantastic. But when you're down 22 to nothing, you're really just kind of shooting yourself in the foot there. Doesn't help that Washington turned around and scored another touchdown right after that. And then Michigan State ended the half there down 29 to 8. The second half, Michigan State came out a little bit stronger, scored a touchdown, but Washington was allowed to respond right back. And then after that, it, it just turned into uh, Washington trying to run the clock out um, as quickly as possible and Michigan State throwing up Hail Marys, really, trying to go on fourth downs, which they did go four of six on fourth downs in order to get the game um, uh, close. And unfortunately, despite the scoreboard, it was never really close. Um, here's, here's what I got to say though. You want an MVP? Um, if it's not Michael Penix, it's Jalen Polk, the, the freshman out of, out of Lufkin, Texas, six to buck 93, finished the game, six catches, 153 yards and three touchdowns. He played absolutely fantastic for Washington and Michigan state. Who's gone into the transfer portal for pretty much everybody and their brother had no answer for him. This game really shaped my opinion on Michigan State kind of going forward here. I think they take a severe step back. Listen, if your offense is based solely on uh, Peyton Thorne's throwing ability, if your offensive line can't get a necessary push to uh, to open up a run game when you've got a halfback like Jalen Berger, um, who can be very successful, you're not going to be a good football team. Now, Coleman, um, uh, Keon Coleman for uh, Michigan State, Played very well, nine catches, a buck 16, two touchdowns. Um, and they had some other performances there. Barker played well. 
Uh, Mosley played well as well at the wide receiver and tight end positions and stuff. But Michigan just had no answer. Michigan State just had no answer. They couldn't get any offense really going in that first half. Their defense couldn't get a stop to save their life. And and this, to me, kind of shapes the Pac-12 because we talked about the Pac-12 possibly being, you know, USC and then Lord knows who else. But Oregon's now gotten back on track. Washington now has a win against the top 15 opponent, the number 11 team in the nation at home, and they've got a convincing win to go with it. Kalen DeBoer and what he's doing with that Huskies program is very, very strong, um, and I'm excited to see what the Huskies continue to do. But this this was a real pop in the mouth for Michigan State, more so than like the other Pac-12 Big Ten uh, kind of upset of Washington State beating Wisconsin. <clears throat> this, to me, was a lot more convincing because Washington State – beat Wisconsin and a lot of the ways that Wisconsin uh, often gets beat, but you don't see teams have this much offensive success um, against the Michigan state defense this consistently. And in that first half, Washington had whatever they wanted. And then the second half, Washington was, it was just good enough to keep Michigan state at arm's length, the rest of the game um, to, to just run the clock out basically. Um, so yeah, I'm very impressed with what I saw at DeBoer and the Huskies. Um, and obviously the student section with the acting was pretty fucking cool as well. Um, that guy, that guy, come on, man. And that did not deserve a come on, man. No, deserved, it did not. That deserved a, that deserved a, you go, you go girl. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I'm very worried about Michigan state. I have faith that they're going to bounce back. Um, because while they don't have an extremely favorable schedule in the big 10, they don't have a terrible schedule in the big 10. Um, but it's any thoughts in my mind of Michigan state being a team that could challenge for the big 10 championship kind of went out the door with that one. Um, barring I, I was fucking crazy. No, I mean, I, and I, and I don't think that it was unfair given, given what we saw out of Michigan state last season and kind of what our expectations with Washington was right. Um, no. well, but not, no, it not was that Washington was going to win that I had Michigan state. Yeah. You had Michigan state lower than, than the rest of us did. Um, but it no, also I'd like to say all crazy. That Kansas was going to win more than two games and Kansas won more than two games. <laughs> yeah. I what mean, massive, massive shout out to Lance Leopold for being halfway to bowl eligibility with the Kansas Jayhawks, which is fucking crazy. Um, and given the state of the big 12, there's a very good chance hey, Kansas hey. can, will not only get to a bowl game, but there's a good chance Kansas could get up to maybe eight I, plus wins. Uh, so I do have a quick question for my two co-hosts um, because I was, uh, away from social media the, mm-hmm. the last couple of days. Okay. So, well, not like on reactions. Okay. But for you, if, do you think whoever has the better, because, because it was recently announced uh, or a, a report came out that the three favorites for the Nebraska job are Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator at um, Alabama, Former Penn State head coach, former, former Houston Texans State. head coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, horrible decision, really. Honestly, I if um, but better than Urban Meyer. Um, uh, then um, Lance Leopold, the head coach at Kansas, and then Matt Campbell, the head the head coach at Iowa State. Not who. So so my question is not who would you prefer. Because I know who Brady prefers. Brady has said multiple times, "You send a blank check at my Campbell." I there's okay, an argument what, that I can it, be made. Go on a sec. Okay. The, my question, it's a very specific scenario question. Does between Kansas and I and Iowa State, does the team with the better record, does that head coach get the Nebraska job no. by the end of the season? 
So, 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 okay. Just, so, no, okay. Because Well, let's like, hear Mitch. Let's hear Mitch's answer to that question as well. I say no, but okay. Mitch, what's your answer to that question? Um, I say no, just because uh, Lance Leopold did come out and say today that I didn't move to Kansas just to move again. So I think he might be staying there. Um, I personally think out of those three guys, it's Bill O'Brien. Okay. Okay. Now my next question. If Kansas makes a bowl game, uh-huh. And Nebraska, who has a ton of money to throw around, if Kansas makes a bowl game, does does Lance Leopold become the favorite to get the Nebraska job? So a part of this kind of leads to something that we've seen quite a bit in college football, and and we've talked, we kind of talked about even with this when we were talking about Scott Frost being fired, is that. Scott Frost turned a a UCF team around and he did it very quickly. Right. But we haven't seen UCF be able to maintain that same level of success. Part of that, you know, obviously being Scott Frost. Well, they went undefeated after Scott Frost left. Correct. But it hasn't been, it hasn't been long-term success. Right. The program wasn't placed on, on solid enough footing when he left, which is understandable for a head coach who, who was only there as long as Scott Frost was. Listen, if Kansas goes nine and three, and really challenges for for a solid bowl game, not like the fucking Meineke Car Care Bowl or some shit like that, but a solid bowl game. Yeah, I think they'll take a bowl game no matter what. No, 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 you're, you're you're absolutely correct. If Kansas goes nine and three or so, I think that there's a solid there's a solid argument to be made because Iowa State, for how good Matt Campbell has turned that program around, Iowa State hasn't won a Big Twelve championship. Iowa State hasn't made a power or a group of uh, sorry a New Year's Six bowl game. Iowa State hasn't realistically competed for the college football playoff. They're better than they have been, but Iowa State is not a perennial 10-win football team the way that Nebraska views, and rightfully so, that they should be a perennial 10-win football game, a football program. So uh, Matt Campbell is the safer choice because Matt Campbell can get your team on solid footing and can do it year by year. He can get you to seven, eight, nine wins kind of respectively there. Um, and that's what the Nebraska football pro- football team needs right now. They just need a coach who can get us back to something resembling re- uh, revel- re- relevance, Jesus, not necessarily a coach who's going to win them a national championship or a Big Ten championship. My issue with Lance Leopold is that he built a decent program at Buffalo. He built a, a, a multiple national championship program at UW-Whitewater. He's He needs more time than one year before people are throwing – uh, uh, people are smartly throwing a shit ton of money at him to come take over other football programs because Kansas, K- Kansas needs to show that this isn't a one-off and that they can win six, seven, eight football games for the next two or three years. And then at that point, I think Lance Leopold would have the footing to go to a much larger program and it'd be a safer decision. But so far, all we've seen out of Lance Leopold was that, yeah, he beat Texas last year and he's won his first three football games, but can he realistically build a consistent, solid football program that can win you multiple games? Now it's going to help when Texas and Oklahoma leaves. There's no doubt about that, but that's my I, issue with Lance Leopold at the moment. Is it is it possible for me to to uh, give a rebuttal? To I mean, to I would state? allow. Yeah, I would completely allow it. Okay, this so, is a dictatorship. It's not. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so no, um, it's an oligarchy. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, so, so my my quick thing. Uh huh. 
would be that so something that I'm seeing a, a, around a lot is that for for coaches like Matt Campbell and for Lance Leopold, if given the if if offered the Nebraska job and they were and it was given to them, they they chose it and they run. This would be for both of these head coaches. Um, uh, it would give them resources that they have not had at uh previous head coaching oh yeah it would give them it'd give them a much larger checkbook to play with yeah, yeah. um, um and more resources better facilities uh, a better brand things like that that they haven't had at other places well and the number one thing access to the to uh, a ridiculous nil program yeah um which again i'd like to shout out nebraska for opening for uh beginning the first non-profit nil mm-hmm. A program in the country, which I think is an awesome thing. They're partnering with uh, nonprofits uh, in Nebraska and around the country um, to use NIL, which is awesome. I absolutely love them for that. But we're not, that's not what we're talking about. My one rebuttal is that um, I think, I, I don't think that Kansas needs to prove <laughs> that they can consistently win and build a program. I think Lance Leopold needs to prove that he could do that. And I honestly think Lance Leopold has proven that he can do that at at least two of his previous stops um in uh a at uh, wisconsin whitewater where he is a native he is an alumni um he in his eight seasons there he went uh 109 and six he was the fastest head coach in ncaa history to 100 wins yep and he won seven six Six national titles. And I believe he lost two. Lost one. Lost one. So he how long was one. he at Whitewater? Eight years, you said? Eight years. He won six national titles and lost Went to one. a seventh. <laughs> yeah, and went to a seventh. And so, I think the one he didn't go to, they lost in the championship semifinals to go to the national championship. Yeah, no. So uh, it was like, to, it was like, I think it was the year that Oshkosh went to the national championship. Yeah, no. So the only time he lost was in 2008 and he lost in the championship game. There you um, go. And the and the 2012, he, they didn't even make the playoffs. Oh, there you go. Um, okay, but they won seven and three, which I think most Nebraskan Nebraska fans would take at this point. Now again, it's D three football. It is D three football, but he's a proven winner mm-hmm. at D three football. Okay, so he then in 2015 he makes a jump to Buffalo. Uh, they go five and seven and two and ten in the first two seasons there. Rough start, right? Um, then they go to six and six. And after six and six, they went ten and four. They won um, uh, the MAC, which we 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 have shown it's hard to win the MAC. Mm-hmm. The MAC is it, it's full of MAC. It's it's hard. Um, and they went ten and four, lost in the Dollar General Bowl. Jake, I'm surprised that that's a bowl. Um, twenty nineteen, he goes eight and five, five and three in con- or five and three in conference, wins the Bahama Bowl. Uh, and his last season at Buffalo, he goes six and one, five and zero in conference, and wins the MAC again. That was the that was the COVID um, year, COVID year. So I, I would I would so say what's, what again, was his record at Buffalo then? Thirty seven and three was his record, but in the last three seasons, they went. Um, sorry, sorry. What well, you said? Thirty seven and three was his record. Uh, thirty seven and thirty three. Sorry, thirty seven and thirty three. Okay. In his last three seasons, he went uh, twenty. Four and ten. Uh, I I would say at least again from my advantage point because I would say Matt Campbell has also built a very successful program at Iowa, Iowa State. That turned around a program that as a, as a person that grew up in Big Twelve football when I Iowa State was absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they they could not do anything. Um, so I, I know Matt Campbell can do that. But to say that that uh, Lance Leopold hasn't, I think he has. Um, because not only was he – and the one thing that I look at that is a strong indicator for me that he he knows how to build a program. Um, one, he changed he he changed how he recruited from going from Wisconsin to White, Wisconsin Whitewater to Buffalo to uh, Kansas. Each different place, he's targeted different countries. At Buffalo, he was targeting the East Coast much more, going towards Florida, looking at the New Jersey area, things like that. At Kansas, he's taken advantage of Big 12 country, very much gone into more Texas area. Stuff like that. He he is he has targeted different areas of the country. Knows what what his resources are allowing him from. But something the the biggest strongest indicator is that if he was just a good coach but didn't know how to build a program, he wouldn't have gone to seven national titles, seven championship games at Wisconsin Whitewater. Because not only was he able to win with the players that he had, that he mm-hmm. recruited with, which Bo Pelini could do. Bo Pelini was able to win with Bill Callahan recruits. But then he was able to bring in new players and fill that spot and continue to win and build a culture that is very important. And that is something that we always hear with with um, uh, new coaches coming in, that they need to install culture into the team. Um, and I, I honestly think that that his record speaks for itself. Again, it is Division three football, which mm. you said is it's, it's very important. But I, I think that the ability to to not only win with players that that he didn't recruit, but also win with players that he did recruit, because again he won uh, at one point three straight, um, and then lost, and then two more after that, proves that he can do it, and he's willing to to uh to to do those things again. I at this point I'm gonna wait until the end of the season until I till I say who I think is gonna be the next Nebraska head coach. Um, but I honestly think there's a couple of good candidates to say, and I think Lance Leopold is one of them. So Mitch, let, let's hear your thoughts on this. You, you threw something, the the third candidate, you know, into the, into the pitch there that he said, you said is your favorite. Why is Bill O'Brien your favorite to take over Nebraska? Uh, he's buddies with Trev Alberts and Trev Alberts. I know was, uh, from the article that I sent you guys was very impressed of the job that uh, he did after the whole Sandusky thing. So I think not saying it's obviously it's not similar, but the state of the Nebraska program, Bill Bill O'Brien has shown that he can resurrect a program and put it in good standing. So, you know, I think he has a lot going for him. Now does, does the, does the whole Deshaun Watson situation, you know, remembering that a lot of during the time of the accusations, Bill O'Brien was the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that shape is that a knock on Nebraska for going after Bill O'Brien? I mean, given that we also how many how many troubling things we heard coming out of out of uh, Houston during Bill O'Brien's tenure, never being able to win more than nine games. I think only once. In his, he he won, uh, he won. Yeah, he won more than nine games only once in his time at Houston. Twice. Mm-hmm. Okay, twice. He won eleven and five and eighteen and ten and six and nineteen. Okay. Um, but then even at Penn State, it's not like they were a fantastic football team under Bill yeah. O'Brien, much better under James Franklin. So does that, does that, do you think that that shapes the the choice making here for Nebraska, given, given everything that surrounded Bill O'Brien? Yeah, I think it kind of depends. Um, I don't remember if Bill O'Brien was directly involved with the whole Deshaun Watson kind of thing. I don't know if that was just ownership kind of handling it. So I'm not sure that'll kind of like backlash onto him. Um, 
And yeah, of course, uh, James Franklin has done a much better job at uh, Penn State, but um, I don't know. Is he is he able to do it if Bill O'Brien doesn't stabilize the program after everything it went through? We'll never know. Um, also, I'd like to say, like you said with Lance Leopold, that he said that he didn't move to Lawrence just to move just to move away again. Bill O'Brien said that he does have absolutely love where he is right now and loves being at that program and with those players at Bama. So it might not be that Bill O'Brien leaves either. Well, I mean, that's that's fair. But Mitch, go ahead and finish your points here. You, you can keep going. I don't know. You're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of different. Uh, with Lance Leopold, he's the head coach. He's got his own program where, where Bill O'Brien's kind of the right-hand man to Nick Saban. So – I don't know if they if they're able to right the ship and get back to a national championship and able to win it. Um, he might feel good about uh, leaving for a program where Nebraska, where you know there's a lot to like about it. So that's well, who that's who I think is gonna take over. Well, and, and again, there, I, I I will say that if there, it depends on what other head coaching jobs open up. For sure, absolutely. Because yeah, if there's a more, yeah, because it's yeah, Arizona State just opened up. Um, uh, who who just fired Texas Tech just fired Sonny Dykes, I believe, as well. Did they? I uh, there was some Big Twelve school that just fired their head coach. Let me check. That's what I thought. Um, I I, I might have been making that up, but I thought I read that a headline in passing. Um, but sorry, Scott. No, let me look up Texas Tech. But I mean, yeah. While you look no, at that, Texas we ought to... Tech did not fire their head coach. Okay. Oh, but but uh, we ought to, for the sake of time, we're gonna have plenty of opportunities to talk about the Nebraska head coaching position. Um, obviously, as the season progresses and and once the off season um, comes around here, we love talking about the head coaching carousel uh, of college football. It's it's an amazing thing. So, but but well, let's head over to our week four picks. Um, we're gonna start out with a game that I fully anticipate to be soul crushing, as the Wisconsin Badgers travel to Columbus, Ohio to take on uh, the, the number three ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. As I said at the beginning of the show, Wisconsin hasn't beaten Ohio State since 2010, and they haven't won in Columbus since 2004. Vegas is picking heavy Ohio State. The line is 57 um, total points with Ohio State favored 18 and a half. So they're picking somewhere along the lines of a 38 to 20 blowout. Um but Wisconsin, you know, really outside of a 59 to nothing Big Ten championship blowout game, Wisconsin has played uh, Ohio State competitively. They've gone into overtime. Um, they've been within one possession a couple of different times there. But Wisconsin hasn't been able to pull the trigger. Um, we'll start off with the non-Badger fan, um, since the two Badger fans are, are going to be talking here first. Skyler, Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Uh, who are you taking? Oh shit! I did promise to always pick against Ohio State earlier in the year, <laughs> I like I would against Bama. Um, uh, shit! I wasn't expecting to go first. I thought you guys were gonna. Well, um, I figured we were gonna go on tangents there. So. Oh yeah, no. Give me a second. Just let me look at the stats so that I can, you know, make my such a hard decision. Um. Should we come back to? You? Uh no, I'm I'm good. Um. I'm going to pick Ohio State because I hate myself, um, but I want Wisconsin to lose more than I want uh, to be right at this moment. Um, the The big thing for me is that in order to 
in order to beat Ohio State, you have to throw the ball. And that means I have to rely on Graham Mertz to win this game. And granted, Graham Mertz has looked better this season so far than he had uh, last season and the season before that. Um, uh, doing well, not making nearly as many costly mistakes. Actually throwing touchdowns, which is, a you know, good for him. Um, but their def- Wisconsin's defense will keep them in the game throughout the season. Jim Leonard is again, and again, Jim Leonard is a, is a great uh, defensive coordinator. Um, he is being linked to a lot of uh, different head coaching opportunities, just like, uh, like Nebraska and other ones, um, which is not surprising. He deserves it. Um, but Ohio state, I, CJ Stroud has yet to throw an interception this season. Um, if it's not um, one running back, it's a different running back. Um, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the leading receiver for this team right now with, with Jackson Smith and Jigbo out. Um, there is just a constant revolving door of uh, amazing playmakers that come throughout, come out of Ohio State. Wisconsin is looking actually, um, despite the Washington State loss, their offense is looking somewhat better than I thought they were going to be. Um, but it's not nearly as good enough. And Graham, Graham Mertz is not nearly as good, is not nearly good enough to, to beat this team. Cause you, they, Ohio State knows exactly what you're going to do. And Jim Knowles is a good enough defensive coordinator to stop what you're going to try to do. And they're going to make you put the ball in Graham Mertz hands and Graham Mertz. I do not think can win this game for them. This guy is taking the Buckeyes, Mitch, Wisconsin versus Ohio state. Who are you taking? Um, I will say this, there is a sliver, just a sliver of hope for Wisconsin, just because uh, so far this season, Ohio State's red zone defense has been trash, and they're about average in the turnover margin, so it could be the cracks uh, in the armor for Wisconsin to get the upset, but um, I'm going to have to go with the Buckeyes, just because, this, like Skyler said, the season that Marvin Harrison is having 18 catches, 342 yards, five touchdowns, and and Jackson Swinthinjig has been injured, but we all know the kind of talent he possesses to go against this uh, Wisconsin secondary that's given up, up about 12 yards uh, completion. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty tough for them to overcome. Yeah, it's a blowout, you guys. It's got to be Ohio State. I don't, I don't think the Wisconsin defense is even going to be able to keep it close, and I don't think they're going to be able to keep it close because I've seen better Wisconsin defenses lose by 30 points to Ohio state before um, listen, Ohio state's defense isn't as dominant as it has been in previous years. Ohio state's offense. I don't think is as dominant as it has been in previous years, but Wisconsin can't keep up the pace. I've said it once. I'll say it a million more times. In my opinion, the way that you beat Ohio state is you got to do it in all three phases of the game. You have to be excellent on offense. You have to either force pressure or force turnovers on defense, and you have to win the special teams game. You absolutely have to. Wisconsin struggled with the special teams game. They don't have a solid kicker. Their punter, I don't think, is fantastic. Um, And they've shown a propensity to go for it on short yardage fourth down. Um, And you're going to have to in this football game. But when you do it, it has to pay off. It absolutely has to pay off. Um, Graham Mertz has not had... Uh, he's had a he's had a, a a rocky career to say the best. It's even worse on the road than he is at home. 
Um, and this is Columbus, Ohio is the toughest environment he's ever had to play in. And the never last time before he's never played there, the last time that he was there, he sat behind Jack Cohen on the bench uh, prior to Cohen getting hurt. Um, uh, and, and it was a blowout for Ohio State. Uh, CJ Stroud is too good. Wisconsin's going to play off ball, man to man coverage on defense, and Ohio State's going to dink and dunk them right up and down the football field. Jim Knowles is, is going to load up that box the way that Washington State did. And just like Skyler said, dare Graham Mertz to throw the football. Um, I, I, I say that if you're going to take a line on this, take take the over for Ohio State. I don't think this, this game is going to be close, anywhere close. Um, and and Braylon Allen and Chez Malusi are fantastic football players, but they're not good enough to keep this game close. Um, Graham Mertz, if he's going to win this game, if Wisconsin's going to win this game, Graham Mertz is going to have to have like a performance like he did against Illinois his first game in order for Wisconsin to win it. And I just, I can't, I can't foresee that happening or CJ Stroud is going to have to have his neck ripped off at, at some point. And, and even then, gosh, I don't know if Wisconsin can still win that football game. So yeah, I'm taking the Buckeyes as well. We were talking a little bit about this football program, um, but let's head out to Ames, Iowa, where Matt Campbell and the Iowa state Cyclones are going to host Dave Aranda and the Baylor bears. Uh, Skyler started off last time. Uh, Mitch, why don't you start us off this time? Mm-hmm. Baylor versus Iowa State. Uh, Baylor still ranked uh, at 17 now, um, taking on an undefeated Iowa State team who's unranked at the moment, but just on the outside looking in for rankings. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with the upset. And I'm going to go with Iowa State. Um, looking at like every metric for these two teams, they're very similar, but there's two advantages where Ohio State has. Uh, just overall, they have a better defense than Baylor this year, and they're a lot cleaner in the turnover margin. Um, Iowa State's 27th in turnover margin, where Baylor's 82nd in turnover margin. So I think that could be the uh, deciding factor for me, but I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, yeah, this one was this one was really difficult for me to try to pick. Um, because, here's the way that I shade it, though, is that Baylor's played two trash opponents and BYU. And now we saw how BYU played against Oregon. Um, But Iowa State's played Southeastern Missouri, Iowa, who is a a horrible football program, in all all honesty, um, and a horrible offense. And Ohio, who had had already been torched by, I think, Penn State like two weeks earlier there. So this is tough for me because I don't think we've seen much of anything actually out of Iowa State. Um, their offense looked bad against Iowa who has a good defense, but it's not, it, it's not a, a, a Georgia level defense. It's not even a better big 10 defense. In my opinion, I think there's a couple of better big 10 defenses than Iowa has. Um, Baylor's played a, a ranked opponent on the road. Um, I, I'm going to disagree with Mitch and I'm going to take Baylor in this game. I think Baylor's had a little bit more, uh, adversity, uh, Baylor bounced back, uh, from their loss against BYU and, and railroaded Texas state. Um, Matt Campbell is a very good head coach, uh, but Matt Campbell's never won more than 10 games at Iowa or at Iowa state, um, in a season. And, and I, yeah, I like the Baylor bears. I think that, that Dave Aranda's defense is better than Iowa state's defense is. Um, I think that he's a little bit more, uh, he's a little bit more creative in his defensive looks. I think his defensive pieces are just better. And, uh, Hunter Deckers, the, Iowa state, quarterback he's thrown three interceptions on the year already through three games so he's good for one is 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 uh the viewpoint and baylor 
despite maybe not being able to force too many this season, loves to loves to force turnovers. I'm going to take Baylor to win the football game. Uh, Skyler? Um, I'm going to go with Iowa State. Um, there's a couple of key things that I'm going to look at. Um, even against those lesser opponents, um, Baylor is still allowing 14 points per game. Um, uh, <clears throat> and and then also when we're looking at, at what Baylor wants to do, they want to run the ball. And that is a metric that Iowa State, again, against some rougher teams, was able to stop. And if there's one thing that I do know Iowa, there are two things I know that Iowa does well. They know how to run the ball and they know how to play defense. And the fact that, you know, they were able to, they were able to play Iowa state was able to play at that level and do well against them. I think shows that they can, can again, challenge against Baylor's what their number one uh, attack is going to be, which is uh, running the ball. And then there's a couple, another thing, Blake Shippen, um, we want to talk about, Deckers has thrown three interceptions, which is about one per game. Um, Blake Shippen, his statistics aren't really popping out. I mean, again, he's playing safe. He's game managing, which is good. Um, but he's averaging right around uh, I'm less than like right around a touchdown a game. But the, the key, the key part, the the key thing is the leading receiver for Baylor doesn't even have a hundred yards yet. Um, where the leading receiver for Iowa State has 300. Um, as Brady said, he's good for at least 100 yards a game. Um, and I think that Xavier Hutchinson, who's a transfer, uh, uh, a JUCO, actually, a JUCO um, player coming in, I think can actually do a lot. Um, this is a, a much more balanced attack that we're seeing from Iowa State that we have in the in the past, where it's been a lot more run-heavy. Um Deckers looks good and in the pocket. Um uh Brock is is uh, another good running back in a long list of good Iowa State running backs. I think that they're able to win this game against Baylor and finally crack into the top 25 um this season. All right. So Mitch, why don't you kick us off as Notre Dame takes on North Carolina? Wait, did Mitch kick us off last time? Yeah, Sorry. so it should be Skyler. No, it should be me because Skyler kicked us off on the first one. I apologize. That's my fault. Oh, yeah. Notre Dame versus North Carolina. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know why on earth anybody would bother talking about the Irish, uh, given that they uh, pretty much almost shot themselves in the head against Cal and probably should have. I don't know if you guys saw the ass whooping that uh, Buckner got over the phone from Tommy Reese, but that was difficult. It's difficult to watch Notre Dame football right now. North Carolina, though, it's only difficult to watch half of their football team play. Unfortunately, that's their defense. Um, their defense has looked awful to start the season out there was the 63 to 61 shootout with Appalachian State who turned around and put up a whopping 17 points against Texas A&M the uh, the following week it was good enough for a win but they've given up 24 and 28 to Georgia State and Florida A&M respectively Uh, their defense has given up 468.3 yards per game but their offense is really good. Um, Derek Mays, 11 touchdowns, one interception on the year. Pace Hours looked really good at the wide receiver room. They're averaging over 500, almost 550 yards per game and 51 points per game. But again, against extremely lesser opponents outside of Appalachian State there, um, which is you know, kind of sad to say. So this is the toughest game that North Carolina is going to have to play. Luckily, it's in Chapel Hill and the Notre Dame offense looks awful i've seen some bad offenses in my life folks but notre dame's is horrible um marshall and cal should have been 
walks in the park for Notre Dame. And unfortunately, they weren't. Their offense put up 24 points against Cal, 21 against Marshall, and 10 against Ohio State. Their offense looks awful. The running game isn't as dominant as it has been. The wide receiver core, tight end core, isn't effective because the quarterback room is just busted. Buckner is not a good quarterback. He's obviously not your day one starter. But everything favors North Carolina in this matchup, and I got to take the Tar Heels to win it. I'm surprised at the line. The majority of people, barely over 50%, the majority of people have picked Notre Dame, and the line is only North Carolina by one and a half, given that they get three points for playing at home. So any other place that this game would have been played in, and Notre Dame would be the favorite, which is astonishing to me. I think the Tar Heels steamroll Notre Dame. Um, well, not, it's not going to be a steamroll. It's still going to be a relatively close game, but the Tar Heels are, are going to win it because Notre Dame's offense is just horrible. And for how bad North Carolina's uh, defense is, I think they're still better. North Carolina's defense being bad is less detrimental to their team than Notre Dame's offense being bad to their team. So I'm taking the Tar Heels to win. Is Buckner back or is it still Drew Pine at quarterback? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 Buckner, uh, hold on. Yeah, but isn't Buckner injured? Yeah, sorry. Buckner's Buckner's injured. I, I was talking about Pine. Pine got the yeah. ass whooping from Tommy Reese there, but even but Drew Pine has not looked good either. Uh even more convicted now? Yeah, right. Even more convicted. Uh Mitch, uh, who are you taking? Yeah, yeah the North Carolina North Carolina, like you said. Um Notre Dame is gonna be probably the best defense they played. Uh Drake Mays is amazing, electric, just like his brother at North Carolina. Um but like you said, the disparity in offense, North Carolina is the top five offense in the country so far. Notre Dame's 114th, even though they do have a great defense, it's not like they're going to be able to match what Drake May can do. Skyler? Yeah, I disagree with both of you gentlemen. Um, I will agree with the fact that this is the best defense that North Carolina is going to face. Um, but this is also the worst defense that um, Notre Dame has faced. Uh, Brady wanted to talk about um, adversity. Um, Cal is, again, was walking into the matchup as two and one. And last season was a disappointment. This season before we had seen that Cal could be a very, very good football team. Um, I Because, again, it's – Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Cal head coach is a former Wisconsin defensive coordinator, correct? Yeah, yeah. Justin Wilcox. Sorry, yeah, Justin, Justin Wilcox. Wilcox. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, always coaches a very good defensive team. Um, they have, like, the 45th plumber as their quarterback. Um, Cal is – it's like Jack Plummer or Jake Plummer. It's – At Cal. I don't know how there's so many fucking plumbers. Um, uh there's just got to be a lot of like you know backup in in toilets or something, um, uh, but um, I am going to take Notre Dame because I think if there's one time if there's a game in order for that they can unlock their offensive potential, it's going to be this game. Um, if we look at the yardage that North Carolina is allowing, they're allowing 468 yards of total offense per game, 37.7 points per game. Um, almost 200 yards rushing, 275 yards passing. And again, Brady pointed to the fact that Notre Dame right now um, offense is lacking, that uh, Drew Pine is uh, not the solution at quarterback. But I would like to point out that compared to Buckner, Drew Pine's actually playing a pretty good season. Again, the yardage isn't actually where you need it to be. It's yeah, but Drew Pine yards. didn't have to play Ohio State. 
He didn't, but Drew Pine also has thrown three touchdowns to one interception where uh, Buckner threw two picks um, and completed only 56% of his passes against Ohio State and Marshall. Um, I do believe that Drew Pine, I, I do agree that Notre Dame's offense is severely lacking um, compared to where it had been in the past. Um, but I do think that they can write the ship against North Carolina. And I think that it's going to be a Notre Dame win. And I, just in case I will not be going home this weekend. <laughs> uh, so Skyler, let's, uh, we'll kick it off with you. USC at Oregon state, both teams walking in undefeated. Um, Lincoln Riley has the Trojans humming. They absolutely annihilated Stanford uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and then annihilated Fresno state last week, Jordan Addison, um, and uh, Caleb Williams look like a, a solid tandem there. Um, but the, the Beavs, nothing to sleep on. They're also 3-0. and um, Chance Nolan is a good at the quarterback position. Um, uh, running back room is, is pretty solid. Treshawn Harrison good at wide receiver. Uh, Beavs versus Trojans. Well, Trojans at uh, Oregon State there. Who are you taking? Um, I'm going to take, uh, take the Trojans. Honestly, right now um... – what this Trojan offense has turned into is um, like the best hope for Trojan fans. I honestly remember thinking that um, Mitch was a little too high on them, but I understand now the hype. I do get it a little bit. You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams is – uh, 64 for 86, 874 yards and eight touchdowns in three games. Uh, Trevor Dye is 30 is doing good work at the running back position. Uh, Addison has almost 300 yards and five touchdowns. Um, they're averaging 520 yards per game, uh, 50 points per game. Um, I, I think it's going to be more of a shootout than we're expecting. I'm, I honestly think whatever team punts first loses the game, but I have more faith in, um, USC's defense to be able to keep uh Oregon State from getting the ball into um the end zone than I do Oregon Oregon State's um I mean Oregon State allowed 32 to to USC beat a, a Fresno team 45 to 17 that Oregon beat by Oregon State beat by a field goal well um, I took Oregon State a touchdown as time expired to beat Fresno State yeah um so the, I think that that kind of points to it just right there, that a team that Oregon State allowed to score 30 points on them, USC didn't even eclipse 20. Um, I think that points directly to what needs to happen, and I, I have USC winning. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Trojans as well here. If Oregon State has a chance, it's got to be that they keep the game competitive enough that they can continue to run the football. Because while USC has a very good pass defense, they're barely giving up 200 yards passing per game. They're giving up a buck 77 on the ground. Oregon State likes to run it. They're averaging a buck 90 on the ground. They need to be effective with that running game. But the USC offense is way too good for what Oregon State's going to field on defense. USC is averaging 300 plus passing over just around 200 rushing um, and 50 points per game. Uh, yeah, it, this this is going to be a, a slaughter in uh, uh, at Oregon State. There. I'm taking USC. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take USC as well. Um, yep. Caleb Williams is having an amazing season right now. He's neck to neck with CJ Stroud for the Heisman uh, betting lines or whatever. 
Uh, he's leading the sixth scoring offense, and unfortunately, Oregon State, when it comes to scoring defense, is 70th. So I feel like uh, SC is going to be able to put up points against the Beavers, unfortunately. All right, so Mitch, uh, why don't you kick us off as we head out to uh, – we head back to North Carolina. We're going to go to Winston-Salem, truest field, where the Demon Deacons, led by a newly uh, uh, comeback Sam Hartman, um, who's only been back in two weeks, uh, will host mm-hmm. – Number five ranked Clemson. Um, DJ Ongalele, uh, five touchdowns, one interception on the year. Um, Will Shipley, it's so nice to see a white guy score touchdowns. He's got six rushing touchdowns on the year. Um, thank you. Uh, but Clemson hasn't beaten anybody. Clemson hasn't really played anybody. I mean, Georgia Tech is trash. Furman is Furman, and they've played Louisiana Tech. Wake Forest also hasn't played anybody. The Virginia Military Institute, Vanderbilt, and Liberty University. This could possibly be an ACC championship game matchup. Well, no, I'm sorry. They play in the same division, don't they? Um, I think. Uh, but this is a huge game in the ACC. Who are you taking, Clemson, Wake Forest? I really want to ride with Wake Forest and Sam Hartman, but it's really hard to pick them when Clemson has been able to uh, score points on every time they've been to the red zone, even with the quarterback like DJ Ugalele. And Wake Forest has the worst red zone defense in the country. So it's really hard to pick them, even though Sam Hartman's good. So I'm going to go roll with uh, the Tigers. Skyler? Um, this is this was a hard one for me. Um, That's what she said. Not to you. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like trying to figure out. Like I'm looking at statistics right now, trying to see. You're hoping uh, to rationalize a Wake Forest win that you know just isn't there. <laughs> uh, I know it is there. I know it is there, and because because I'm gonna ask my co-host two questions. If you had to put the game in the hands of one quarterback, would it be Sam Hartman or Uangalele? Uh. Who who would you trust with the ball? Sam Harmon or DJ you uh what? Who uh on <laughs> the pronunciation in front of me just in case. Yeah, um the... oh, no, because again, no, go ahead, again. Go ahead, Mitch. Go ahead, Mitch. I'll, I'll... Who, but who I do you trust first. no, who do you trust in that position? Those two quarterbacks. That's my question. DJ Ungalele or Sam Hartman? Don't not no other question. Uh DJ Ugulele, just because it's Sam Hartman going against the Clemson defense. No, 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 no. DJ no, no, no. Ugulele no, no, is going question. against the weight. Yes, it is. You said, who do I trust more? And... No, who do I trust? No, not, no, just who do you trust more? Who do you yeah. trust more in this, in this moment, right now? In this moment, DJ Ugulele, because right, he's playing the, the Wake Forest defense. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Brady, who do you trust more? Like, I mean, unfortunately, with a question like this, on a, on a football game that's, you know, 11 on 11, um, there's always uh, other factors outside of the quarterback. But if if it came down to which quarterback do I think is better suited to win me the football game, I think it's Sam Hartman. Okay. Because that's where I'm going. I am trusting Sam Hartman. I am trusting his ability to win football games. I am. This is a 3-0 and Wake Forest team. And again, we you you do I it's completely and totally fair. Vill, uh, Virginia Military Institute, uh, Van uh, Vanderbilt, 
and liberty. But again, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about liberty being a a, a dark horse in in this league about a, a team that was surprising. And again, just because Malik Willis went somewhere else doesn't um doesn't make this team uh, any any more competent. Uh, maybe still completely and totally the university is still completely and totally you know backwards in every different kinds of things, but. It doesn't make the team more competent. Clemson again has has, I mean, like Brady said, Georgia Tech from uh, Furman and Louisiana Tech. They haven't played anybody else either. And so when we're looking at statistics, I know exactly what Sam Hartman can do for me against good teams. I DJ Ungaleli has always struggled against better teams. And again, we want to talk about yes. Every single time that a team has gone into the red zone, Wake Forest has a lot of points. But again, like that, they still won those games. And so they're finding a way to get around it. And right now I am trusting Sam Hartman to win a game. Again, I'm probably going to be totally wrong. Clemson's probably going to blow him out of the water, but I'm going to trust in Hartman. I'm going to trust in the other white guy that could score touchdowns on the other team. Um, Sticking with Wake Forest. Sticking with Wake Forest. Um, so here's here's the thing. Sam or DJ, I'm just gonna call him DJ. DJ has something that Sam I have Hartman, the pronunciation if you'd like. I you know what? I the minute I say it, I, I'm still just not gonna do it justice. Um, <laughs> DJ has something Sam Hartman doesn't. But he's got two things Sam Hartman doesn't. First, DJ has a functional running game, and Sam Hartman doesn't really. Um Wake Forest averages a buck 28 rushing, but again, that's against really poor opponents. And you know, it's not going to show up against Clemson who's given up only 71 rushing yards per game again against weaker opponents. Don't get me wrong, but Clemson's defense has always been very good at stopping the run. Brian Brees sitting right there in the middle. Like they're going to be good at stopping the run. They're going to turn Sam Hartman one dimensional. And that's a game he wants to play, but Sam Hartman, similar to DJ Angolele has also shown a propensity to turn the ball over. He did it against Pitt in the ACC championship game. He threw, I think, 14 interceptions or something last season. Um, he had a great touchdown to interception ratio. He had two to one, but it's because Wake Forest can't run the fucking football. Wake Forest, uh, and then the second part goes to defenses. The second thing DJ has that uh, Sam Hartman doesn't is DJ has a defense because you can't even call what Wake Forest puts out on the football field a defense it, because it's not. It, it, it's just, it's not. Clemson's going to run the ball down their throat. They're going to keep the game out of DJ's hand. And then when he needs to make one or two throws, he's going to do it, or he's going to pick it up with his legs, which he's shown a propensity to do this season as well. Um, You know, DJ had nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year. He started this season off with a five to one ratio, um, which is, is really, really good. Uh, So yeah, I got, I got to go. I got to go with all the factors outside of the quarterback room to give this win for Clemson Um, because Clemson's defense is better. Their special teams is better. Their running game is better. Their wide receivers are better. And frankly, their players are just better. I got to go Clemson on this win here. Um, So I'll, I'll take our final uh, college football matchup of the week. Um, I believe this is the game game day is going to, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, they should be going. They should be at Duke, Kansas. But they the should cowards. be at Duke, Kansas, uh, Battle of the Unbeatens. But instead, they're going to go to Rocky Top for the first time since I think 2012 is what I saw when number 20 Florida comes in to uh, Nyland Stadium to take on the number 12 ranked, sorry, number 11 ranked uh, Tennessee Volunteers who've started the year out a hot three and oh uh they beat 
Pitt uh, uh, two weeks ago in Rocky Top, and Florida is coming off of a win against South Florida, but it was a three-point win against a South Florida football team that just simply speaking is not good. Um, I'm going to kick us off. Guys, I- I'm riding the Tennessee Volunteer train. I'm riding the Tennessee Volunteer train. Um, Anthony Richardson still has yet to throw a passing touchdown, at least to his own team. He's thrown four interceptions on the year. Hendon Hooker has looked absolutely fantastic for Tennessee with six touchdowns, uh, 844 yards, 59-85 uh, passing. Uh, uh, their rushing attack for Tennessee isn't fantastic, and that's where I think that they're going to struggle here. They've averaged a buck 82, but they haven't been able to run the ball as effectively as I know that they want to. Here's the plus side, though. Florida's given up almost 200 rushing yards a game, so you should be able to run the ball right down Florida's fucking throat. Florida's only option is is that that offense. They're pretty good at pass defense, and that's where it's gonna it, it's gonna matter for Tennessee. Can you avoid the silly, stupid mistakes that have cost you so many SEC conference games for so many years now? But in my mind, Tennessee's defense is better. Their offense is better. Their coaching at this point is better, um, and they've got the momentum in, in this. Florida has gone off, of, uh, has walked off of beating a number seven team at home. And then in their last two games, also at home. So this is the first time Anthony Richardson is going to have to play against, you know, a premier crowd because you know, Rocky top is going to be boiling. Um, lost 26 to 16 to uh, Kentucky and lost or, and beat uh, South Florida uh, 31 to 28 in a game that required them to come from behind. They were down 28 to 24 in the fourth quarter in that game. And Florida ended up winning it. Rocky top all the way, baby. I'm taking Tennessee to win this football game. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with Tennessee. You know, it's at home with game day. There's a lot going for them. Um, and like the biggest thing for me that kind of comes down to, we were just talking about, uh, you know, whose hands do we trust more? Sam Hartman or DJ Ulysses? Whose hands do you trust more in this game? Hennon Hooker or Anthony Richardson? And I got to run with hand and hooker. I mean, like it shouldn't even be a question in all honesty, but like, yeah, like we said at the top of the show, I mean, Anthony Richardson looks amazing against uh, a Utah team that always puts out a great defense. And then against Kentucky, uh, you know, falters a lot. Um, And I just think uh, the hand and hooker to Cedric Tillman connections very deadly. And I don't know if uh, Florida is going to be able to keep up with that. Um. I'm not thinking of picking Florida. I was just trying to think of like a oh, a witty remark in my head that I can make about Florida, uh, but I really can't think of anything. Oh, uh, Nebraska hired the wrong UCF coach. Um, Tennessee. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Josh Heupel was was the guy that took over for Scott Frost. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. Um. Also, Bree, who did you pick, Blake Forrest or Clemson? I picked Sorry. Clemson because you're not insane. Yeah, I'm not fucking crazy. Um, hey, all I'm going to say, I, I'm is not going to say that I'm not going to say that it's an unwinnable game for Wake Forest because it's a definitely winnable game for Wake Forest. If DJ comes out and shoots himself in the foot seven fucking times, it's a winnable game for Wake Forest. I just don't see it actually happening. Yeah, that's okay. You're allowed to. You're allowed to think whatever you like. Um, so that wraps up our call. Unless Skyler has anything else to talk about with the um, uh, Tennessee versus Florida game. Uh, uh no, I honestly it's just that um Tennessee like you guys all hit the points. Uh Florida has been struggling right now, uh struggling but winning games. Um it's kind of sad that Taylor Martinez has or not Taylor, goddamn. 
Um, that and that would still be sad too. Okay, Adrian Martinez has more um uh throwing touchdowns than you do uh throughout three games, and he's only thrown one. Um, so I I I still think I still think that Florida is on a good path, but I don't think, but I don't think that Anthony Richard like and. It is too reliant on Anthony Richardson's performance as the quarterback. Um, and in that case, I, I see it's very, very close um, to what I was saying about DJ Uungalele, um, which is that, like, I don't trust him when the game when the game needs to be won. And I, I do trust Hooker. Um, he's the best, uh, uh, best guy named Hooker to happen to Tennessee in, you know, a while. Um so yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, so that's our college football episode. Uh, we'll come back uh, and and recap this uh, upcoming week of college football on a future episode here, and we'll talk about the following week because boys. Now, granted, we're looking a week ahead. Who knows what the rankings are going to look like? But right now, we've got some some really solid ranked matchups: Alabama at Arkansas, North Carolina State at Clemson, Oklahoma State at Baylor. Um, Kentucky at Ole Miss. And then there's a couple of other very good games in there as well. Wake Forest versus Florida State. Michigan, Iowa is going to be played. Um, you know, we'll kind of get to see the merit of Michigan and stuff. Um, so we got tons of college football stuff uh, to talk about. And uh, and on our next episode, we're going to be talking about the NFL, baby. Two weeks in, and we're going to start hitting our overreactions because you can't do it after week one, but you can definitely do it after week two. Uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Follow us on uh, Twitter, on Spotify. Uh, Google Podcast uh, Radio Now, um, and email us your guys' thoughts, fourstring, sp at gmail.com, F-O-U-R-T-H, string, sp at gmail.com. Have a fantastic day.